lot. Are you are you okay? Gotta stay close. from the Mundangerous Hall of Justice in New York City. I'm your host Shane. And I'm your host Ishan. And welcome to episode 112 of Total Party Thrill, a podcast for game masters and players where we discuss our campaigns in order to inspire yours. In this episode, we're talking about how to translate comic book stories to your table. But first, the rogue traders get a bit of good news in the Dynasty Unwarranted campaign, and later Wonder Woman beats the truth out of the bad guys in the Character Creation Forge. So before we get to that, just another reminder of our... Uh, giveaway a raffle for our patreon patrons we are giving away two sets of prizes uh one is a copy of pathfinder pocket edition uh the core rules and then the bestiary that's uh two books that contain all the pathfinder core rules in a smaller sized paperback edition yeah and if you have big pockets it can fit in a pocket you'd have to have maybe a cargo pocket yeah cargo pocket sized edition <laughs> Uh, and then we're also giving away one copy of Curse of the Crimson Throne, which is another Pathfinder adventure path from Paizo. It's a beautiful book. It's a really neat story. It's one that I really thought long and hard about keeping for ourselves, but we're we're adding that in as a as a prize. So any current patrons as of September 30th will be entered to win. Uh, the first name that we draw gets their choice of prize, and the second name gets the other one. We will also be at PAX Unplugged in Philadelphia, uh, November 17th through 19th. This is the first time that this uh, con is happening. So we'll be at the inaugural one, and hopefully we'll be having some kinds of panels. We asked to run a few, and we'll see if they actually let us. Yeah. I don't know why they would, but... Yeah. And and we'll we'll I think we're going to be doing some some type of event with Going Last, uh, another RPG and tabletop podcast. So uh, we'll have stuff going on. We'll we'll be around. So if you're planning to go, uh, let us know. We'll make plans to meet up. Yeah, and meet the rest of our actual gaming group. Uh, and then I will also be at a Catacon, which is November 10th through 12th, uh, so the week before PAX in Dayton, Ohio. Um, that's a small convention hosted by the RPG Academy that uh, I go to every year because. It's full of great people. Um, it's you know great hosts. It's uh, not the best city in the world, but you know what? It's a great con. I'm glad you said it and not me because I say it constantly. Right. <laughs> Dayton, not the best city in the world. <laughs> Speaking of not the best planet in the Imperium, I suppose, where are we in the Dynasty Unwarranted campaign? So the Dynasty Unwarranted campaign is our Warhammer 40k Rogue Trader game uh, played using Dark Heresy 2nd Edition rules by Fantasy Flight Games. And the Rogue Traders of the His Enduring Light have just defeated an Orc war boss on the feudal world of Gontelgrim uh, using the unfortunate physics of explosives detonating each other en masse to destroy the boss and his knobs and most of themselves. Yeah. Uh, we are victorious, and the price was extraordinarily high. Yes. <laughs> Three of our party members are lying in a smoking crater, while Draco and Trank um, sort of decide between themselves whether they should even be saved. Right. <laughs> <laughs> they look pretty heavy. I mean, 
Less heavy than they were, considering the missing limbs and organs, but still. Well, that's only a concern because uh, Draco refuses to call the gun cutter to pick you up as it is uh, severely damaged in the fight and he wants it safely behind your lines where it will not be shot and blown up. Look, it's easy to find another seneschal or a doctor, okay? But gun cutters do not come cheaply. But is it easy to find another combat duster? Because that's what Draco's gonna do. He's he's gonna put their bodies and, and fashion a makeshift litter to drag them across no man's land back to Imperial lines. Yeah, that was fun. So let's take stock of where we are, right? Because Gontelgrim was a planet that was at war uh, with its native orc population. Um, it had siphoned off a ton of resources on the planet, had caused lots of political problems, and um, you know it, it had basically ruined their mining and agriculture and and sort of crippled the planet but you've defeated the war boss like the orcs are certain to fall apart now you've probably won the day so now you can go be heroes ideally i mean the whole point of coming to this stupid planet was that they were in dire need of assistance and we were trying to take advantage of that (laughs) right like 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 good merchants (laughs) that's right we did not expect to be dragged into this and actually have to fix their problem right but we have and why is that (laughs) because we were forced to because we were accused of heresy Mm, not without cause right (laughs) (laughs) i mean mean, you're not right but you're not wrong for thinking it (laughs) (laughs) it's certainly understandable right (laughs) turns out that's not a super strong defense against the guy wielding a bolt pistol at your face yeah uh we're not gonna forgive him Mm, we're definitely gonna remember this Mm, at some point i might kill him so so this is Commissar Herc, who Commissar uh, Jerk, <laughs> who has don't tell him I said that. Basically, made uh, an agreement with you. He's made a formal charge of heresy, but uh, allowed you to present your defense, and and you told them the truth, right? Um, and so he has contacted the astropath on the planet uh, to contact the Navy, find out if your story about. Um, stumbling upon a, a distressed naval frigate that was uh, waylaid by Dark Eldar and escaping from the Dark Eldar and, and not having stolen anything, but instead having commandeered it in the effort to escape, whether all of that checks out. And if it does, he'll let you go. And in the meantime, you had better be heroes. And you filled the hero quota. So now it's time to find out, hey, are you actually heretics? Or is that cockamamie scheme you told us about actually what happened? Yeah, it was about this time as, you know, we're dragging essentially corpses across a battlefield, daintily avoiding mines in the way. Uh, Herc and Draco have a nice little heart-to-heart about how hard it is to, you know, find good help these days. You know, the men are just so difficult to keep in line and... Right. You know, you can never really tell who's actually gung-ho for the emperor and who's just going to get shot in the face because they're actually 14. Exactly. <laughs> so, yeah, I mean, it's a, it was kind of a, a humanizing moment for, I think, both of them. I'm still going to kill him. Yeah, maybe. <laughs> <laughs> I'm still going to try to kill him. <laughs> you guys get the sense that Herc is kind of getting regretful about the fact that he might have to execute you. Like... You know, the charge has been levied and he's he's gonna pursue it and if that's what happens, like he's a commissar, it's gonna happen. But he's 
not as gung-ho about it as he maybe was when he initially accused you. Well, I hope when he puts bolter rounds through our foreheads that he's really sad about it. Yeah, that he loses a little bit of sleep. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> he cries a tiny bit. So we actually get back to the Capitol. I mean, it took a while. We were walking. Well, you, you, you know, <laughs> you got back the to, whole way. You got back to Imperial Lines. You fixed up the gun cutter and you flew the hostile negotiator back to the Capitol. So when which we, <laughs> did take a while. I mean, you did have to stabilize your allies and such. It was weird role playing the whole thing for like three weeks, right? <laughs> oh, that would be like playing Lord of the Rings. Oh God. <laughs> Do we uh, take the eagles? No, they're like one hit away from exploding. Right. Of course we don't take the eagles. They go get patched up and we walk. A queer thing happened on our long walk. <laughs> Commissar Gollum seems almost sad right. that he's going to eat us. He's going to steal my precious. <laughs> I mean, he's got to do it. He's got to do it. Oh, it's in his nature. <laughs> All right. So <laughs> Gollum aside, uh, you do get back to the capital and... Herc has messages from the Navy waiting for him. Oh, really? Waiting for him, huh? He couldn't check in earlier? Uh, no, if you recall, you sabotaged communications. Oh, yeah, we did do that. Between the front so that you could have more uh, field command, like less centralized command of the battle and put the control in the hands of the colonel, Colonel Sturm, so that the Imperial tactician would stop screwing up the strategy that wasn't working because you didn't have the guns you needed. Right. And also just in case that people who knew us thought they would be very helpful and tell the whole truth. Right. <laughs> and not just confirming our story. Right. <laughs> so, yes, you finally get back to Vox Contact. Uh, and there is there's a message waiting from the the Navy, and it basically confirms, like... The Emperor's Will is a naval frigate that was hijacked by Dark Eldar near Gontelgrim. Uh, it has been looping a distress signal, and it was reported by the crew of the His Enduring Light, uh, as well as a warning that the Dark Eldar had compromised an Imperial cipher. Yes, through no fault of their own, the R His Enduring Light discovered right. that a cipher was compromised. And then it went on to say, you know, like, the Navy considers the ship lost with all hands on board and that whatever that they were able to get there, if they had right to it, it was available for salvage. We're rogue traders. We salvaged this right here, this gun cutter. Also these guns. Well, the guns that you're about to give back to me right now. Right. Because I want my gun back. So, yeah, Herc is surprised. Uh, it definitely did not expect that. But he's like, all right, well... You still need to prove that you are who you say you are, right? Like, so far, all I know about you is that you came down on uh, a, a commissariat gun cutter wearing freshly minted commissariat bolt pistols, and I don't know if you're a rogue trader, so prove it. I want to meet your rogue trader, and I want to examine your warrant of trade. Our rogue trader is an idiot. Lord Captain Elias Lionheart is a bumbling idiot. I guess we'll find out exactly how much of an idiot next week. So this week we're talking about the superhero problem, which, again, they're a menace in this city and they need to be cleaned up. <laughs> Who else wears a mask? Right. All right, so there are plenty of superhero RPGs out there. You've got Champions and Heroes Unlimited and Mutants and Masterminds. And oh, wait, masks. I played one. Yeah, Masks. Yeah, you also played Mutants and Masterminds. Oh, that's true. Yeah. 
What did you play at a Catacon last year? What system was that? Uh, Cypher system. Oh, look at that. Look at yeah, that. A lot of the generic systems have mm-hmm. superhero mm-hmm. capabilities. But whichever superhero system you like, RPGs that tell those kinds of stories or comic book stories have to all deal with a fundamental problem. The heroes can't lose. Uh-huh. So Batman is awesome at everything. He does not fall on his ass 5% of the time he tries to make an acrobatics check. But according to a D20, uh, a PC does. Right. Yeah, Hawkeye doesn't miss an... Wait, who's Hawkeye? (laughs) (laughs) The, like, fourth fourth Jason Bourne. Okay, yeah. yeah. All right. Jason Bourne never misses a shot. Uh, Uh, Nothing hurts the Incredible Hulk. right. Right. Like, you're just not going to have anything in the story that can take out the Hulk except you know like once every two decades like plot devices yeah exactly you know superheroes are hyper competent all of the time in whatever their area of expertise is but that's just not the way that random chance works in most dice based role playing games right at the same time they also don't die permanently I mean sure Superman died that one time but you know, it didn't stick. He got better. Yeah, he got yeah. better. At first glance, right, like an RPG party, right, because you, you have multiple players, could kind of model like the Justice League or the Avengers. So you've got individual members with their own unique skill sets, and they have to team up to take down, you know, huge threats, right? Um, but the problem is you don't really die in that mix, right? There's no threat of, of being permanently replaced. Like unless you retire or there's some plot reason that, you know, uh, somebody has to come in your stead like there's just no risk yeah and we actually talked about last week how we like games where there's always the possibility that you could die the game doesn't have to be gritty it doesn't have to be oh every single fight is a fight for survival but it's it it helps the drama of the story if it feels like oh man like there could be really intense consequences for this and i could just not have this character anymore right but how does that make sense in fiction? How could you, how could you have a story that hurts Superman? Well, I see. I, I think it's a little less of how does it make sense in fiction. I think it's how do you mechanically represent that, given that in fiction the threat of death is there, but it takes arcs of comics to build to, right? Like there's there's always a moment where it's like, oh, is this the last time we see Superman, right? Mm-hmm. Um, but but to represent that mechanically. That would mean at any given point, Superman would have to be threatened, right? Like you don't get separate sets of mechanics for the payoff episode or issue that then you get from the build-up issues. Right. So either as a GM, you're just pulling so much deus ex machina out of nowhere all of the time to make sure that the consequences happen exactly when they need to happen in order for the story to go off in a way that feels like it's actually a comic book story. Right. Or else it's possible that, you know, your superheroes get uh, one-offed in, like, their opening scene. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> like, like, Ant-Man gets stepped on. <laughs> Done. Like, cool. <laughs> Great story. <laughs> so there's some general solutions that you can do to tweak a game that's based on superheroes, no matter what kind of system you're using. The first thing you can do is just play at a higher power level than you would be playing at if you weren't playing a superhero game. So 
when we were at Gen Con recently, we played Knights Black Agents. And I loved how like the premise was just, you are a hyper-competent super spy. You were good at all of that spy stuff. Right. Uh, so if you want to do any of those things, you just do them. Right. Are you Are you trained in that? Great. You succeed. There was no rolling for trivial challenges. You know, Nice Black Agents is about super spies fighting vampires. So it's um it's superhero adjacent and you have to be able to accomplish pretty crazy things like, you know, fighting someone who has superhuman durability or, you know, can teleport. Uh but the the drama, the um the randomness you know, the, the part of the game that was determined by the dice and not by the storyteller mm-hmm. only came into play when crazy stuff was happening. And if you think about it, this I think it models a superhero story very well where, okay, Batman is on patrol. He doesn't need to roll to use his grappling hook. He doesn't need to roll to throw a batarang at like a random thug. He doesn't it, roll a spot check to see if the bat signal catches his attention. Right. He doesn't need to roll to see if he dodges a bullet or machine gun fire that like some one of the joker's thugs is just spraying around the room right it doesn't hit him right it doesn't but if he's you know face to face with joker venom he's probably got to make a saving throw Mm -hmm. another solution is to give some of those iconic abilities to individual pcs outside of what you can pick from a manual Mm -hmm. right like to just add it on top so um, Hawkeye, the character that I'm not familiar with, but I believe is Jason Bourne, <laughs> he doesn't miss, right? Like that's his thing with a bow and arrows. He just does not miss. So maybe that character doesn't have to roll attacks. He just rolls damage. Right, if he's using a bow. Right. If he's punching a guy, yeah, he's got to roll an attack. Right. But if he's shooting someone with an arrow, it just hits. Roll damage. Yep. Um, Wolverine. Do you right? know Wolverine? I have, Do you understand Wolverine? I'm familiar with him. Yeah? Okay. Yeah. Okay. Uh, it's like sports. Yeah, he's like sports. Right. Right. Uh wait, he's the he's the like hairy Canadian dude. <laughs> it's Wayne Gretzky, yes. With the with the claws and the fast regeneration and the long teeth, right? Sabretooth? Different animal. <laughs> I now you see how I got confused. Um so Wolverine obviously like has this crazy regenerative ability, right? Like he just can't be hurt. So maybe give that character a regeneration that is otherwise inaccessible to players. Yeah, maybe, I mean, in D&D terms, maybe they just get all their hit points back every round. Right. Uh, does this make characters more powerful? Totally. Right, but that means that you're now building threats around those specific weaknesses, right? Like, the only way to hurt Wolverine is to deal max damage and knock him to zero mm-hmm. and then kill him immediately. Which is, canonically, pretty much the only way you can hurt Wolverine. Exactly, right? <laughs> so so that means, like, you have to now introduce that threat, uh, explain that threat, right, so that the player understands that that exists and then let that threat target wolverine right and see what happens right conversely if you're dealing with hawkeye who never misses well in the fiction of the story yeah if he sees a bad guy he's going to shoot them and the arrow is going to hit it's quite possible though that that enemy has a force field or you know doesn't care if like an arrow explodes in their face right or they're you know invisible and so hawkeye doesn't see them you know there are other ways to get around these abilities that aren't specifically made to negate 
these abilities, but that make it so that you have ways that can still challenge these PCs, even though you've given them, you know, one iconic sort of amazing ability. Right. Or I mean, you could always take away his bow, though. That's a, that's a little bit <laughs> Just of break like, his, I mean, yeah. that happens every Here, time. Here's too. a toy. <laughs> Let me take that away from you. Like, also, you're Hawkeye, so get over it. <laughs> I mean, yes, every Hawkeye story ends up having someone cut his bow in half or break it or something. So, yeah, that happens totally. (laughs) And then I think another hallmark of this and and something that I got a better understanding of playing masks was the the focus of team dynamic, right? And of, of the story of the relationships of PCs rather than the actions of the PCs. Right. If you think about a superhero team like um, the Teen Titans, you know, most of the stories are taking place in the tower where people are bantering or talking with each other or like forging friendships or having misunderstandings. Most of the time, the story isn't really about like beating up bad guys, or if it is, it's peripheral. Like it's, it is adjacent to the actual story that is being told. It's the B plot. Right. I, I think that's actually true of even like um, Civil War. Mm, and and mm-hmm. full disclosure, I don't read the comic books. <laughs> so I'm only going off the MCU version. But in the film, right, like that is fundamentally a story of two people who are right trying to convince each other that they're wrong. Right. Like that's that's the Cap and Iron Man thing. Right. Except that Iron Man was wrong. Uh, whatever. <laughs> like, <laughs> I, they both have credible reasons to feel the way they do right like and and the fighting against them you know is a net neutral like you know they're neither is going to convincingly win that battle between the two sides or kill the other one or yeah right but but what makes that story interesting is the story of their relationships as they're forced to fight against each other and, and how those are changing right as old grudges come to the surface or old friendships are torn apart yeah either one of them could have in one hit, caved in Baron Zemo's chest. Right. You know, and it would that would have just been over. But it wasn't what the story was about. I'm not familiar with who that is, but I believe he you. was the bad guy in Civil War. Okay. Well, <laughs> I guess I need to take a closer watch. <laughs> um, you played uh, that Cipher System game at a Catacon last year, and from what you've told me of it, there was combat, but uh, I, it sticks in my mind because you said you enjoyed it. And for the most part, you don't enjoy superhero games. Right. So what was it about that? Like, what was the that session focused on? <laughs> As I get further making from out. the... Focus on making basically, out. Basically, it was about kisses. <laughs> um, as, as I get further from the game, I don't remember the details of the plot, right? Um, but there's there was a threat, right, that we were trying to figure out what they were after and trying to... Um, beat them to the punch for some device i think it was right and then we ended up kind of crossing paths and then having to fight Mm -hmm. Um, what made it interesting and good was that our characters had secrets that certain characters knew and other characters didn't right and so there was a there was a a bit of tension around what you know about somebody and and what they know about you and and different things and how that comes out in conversation and and that sort of thing but also the way that the game played out was um because of the way that that darcy ross runs cypher system and and the way she allows us to spend xp as rerolls um basically by like you know, I can spend my XP to give you the reroll if I can just basically insert myself into that action, right? 
as we wanted to do more crazy and ridiculous things, more and more people were getting involved and throwing in their XP into the pool to get the rerolls we needed. So like it just built up this crazy team dynamic of like, we're all doing these three things in the perfect order. And like, it leads to a crazy outcome. Right. And so it was kind of just spinning off the cuff. Um, but then us backing into the justification of like, how am I helping? Why am I helping? What am I doing? And what do I know that makes me want to help? So the mechanics pushed all of you toward making it about the dynamic and the relationships. Yeah. And because it was a one shot, you weren't annoyed that you were spending actual XP. XP. Right. Because yeah. I couldn't advance. Right. Mm-hmm. And that's, that's a long running complaint of Cypher system is that I'd never want to spend my XP. Um, but since I had no tomorrow, like it was great. Um, and also, I mean, a, a big part of that was not mechanical, but Darcy encouraging and rewarding XP for those types of role-playing moments Mm. right so it's like cool you did a great thing with a teammate like you guys get xp because you're playing together versus you did a cool thing all on your own and never looked up from your character sheet like great yeah nice carrot yeah (laughs) (laughs) the other thing that you can do is and you can do this in a lot of different rpgs because i think if you really think about it many times when you are playing an RPG, the, the risk of death is probably not that high. The risk of TPK is, isn't, is you know, above 10%. Oh, honest, no. Honestly. No, that would be an unsustainable game. Right. <laughs> like... So most sessions that you're playing, you have a pretty good sense that, hey, we're going to make it out of this. Right. You know, we're probably not, I'm probably not dealing with like the death or potential death of my character. Uh, but that means that you need to focus on making the game about accomplishing or failing a task and what repercussions come out of that for the story and for the character. So even though I didn't die, like maybe my village got burnt down or, or, you know, maybe I didn't get the gold that I wanted, right? Whatever. Maybe my country got lifted out of the earth's crust and levitated (laughs) or something. I don't understand. And then like two years later, people are complaining that like their family members died because like whatever. Right. Like, Look, the, it was the whole world, man. Okay. Also like it was in the Chernobyl blast zone. Like <laughs> whatever. <laughs> I think um, in our Mutants and Masterminds game, Steph did a good job of this. Uh, and I know that she did a good job because we don't actually like third edition Mutants and Masterminds as no, a system. No. But the game was a lot of fun because uh, part of the, like one of the premises of the game was that we were new superheroes who had basically just gotten these abilities Mm -hmm. and we were learning how to use them for the first time. And we were figuring out like what they were and what expressions they were and maybe what other types of alternate abilities they had, um, which then got expressed mechanically in in the system. Right. And then of course we had to go out and save the city because no one else could do it. Right. And then crazy stuff ensued because we, I guess we succeeded sort of kind of uh yeah yeah i mean we we won the dream i mean before that it was uh oh yeah we we try to confront the robot we save the city she explodes right (laughs) (laughs) everything's different but now we get more powers yeah which was cool yeah right (laughs) except for those people who didn't get powers because they're dead because they dead because they died Okay, so a superhero game, every superhero game is very different depending on the types of characters or the types of powers that the party members have. 
because I mean they're so disparate, right? Like if you look at a and D ranger and a and D fighter, yeah, they play different. They have different abilities, but fundamentally they can do the same types of things. Yeah, I mean their fundamental abilities are get on the same battle map and throw damaging things at enemies. Right. But I mean, uh, in superhero fiction, it can run the entire gamut. Anything can happen. So when you are trying to figure out how to deal with a game at a table, at a particular table, a lot of it will depend on who the PCs are. But they kind of break down into a few different categories, depending on the power set and the type of story you're trying to tell. So let's go through a few of the major ones. So should we start with Superman? Yeah, the Superman problem. Aside from like this rare crystal, this rare green crystal, um, nothing can hurt the guy. He's just invulnerable. I get that he's he's super fast and like he can, you know, punch the sun or whatever. Um, but that's actually fine. Him succeeding all of the time at everything he tries to do works fine for a story. You know, you actually want your characters to succeed at stuff. Yeah. The issue is that there's there's no drama because there's nothing that can hurt him unless you pull out the Deus Ex Machina Kryptonite. Uh or you threaten Lana. Right, exactly. Like, or, how, I guess Lois Lane later. <laughs> right, exactly. Like, how do you challenge a character that has nothing to fear from physical damage? Well, you don't try to hurt them physically. You hurt the people that can be hurt physically who right. are important to him. Yeah, right. you hurt them. You hurt them emotionally. Right. Superman has all the feels because that's the only thing that can actually, actually suffer. So this sort of boils down to the uh, there's a often a fundamental misunderstanding of superman stories in comic books right people will say oh he can't get hurt he's a really boring character it's fine if you think he's boring but understand <laughs> sometimes you're right fundamentally a superman story is not about whether superman lives or dies he always lives period right but his friends or all of metropolis or the random innocent people around him don't always live and that is what the story is about yeah, so the the question that's being posed in a Superman story is whether he will succeed or fail at protecting things, right? Like fundamentally that's what he has to do. He will protect them, he has to you have to find out if he's successful. Yeah. So in game, you can help your big bruiser player along by encouraging them to take abilities that enable them to shield others. Because if you think about it, a smart or intelligent enemy is going to learn pretty quickly that attacking Superman is a total waste of action. It doesn't do anything. Right. Uh, but when I was playing a similar character, like very strong and very tough, um, mutants and masterminds had this interposability that you could buy pretty cheaply that let you switch positions with someone who's getting attacked and mm-hmm. then take the hit yourself. Yep. I think if you're going to try and make a character like Superman... Um, with his power set, right? The key is that you also have to inherit his either moral code or his strong investment in relationships. Um, because if you end up with the super unhurtable character who is only a selfish jerk and won't do anything to help anybody else, like, cool, so I'm just not going to engage him then. And he has no impact, Right. Like, why why bother, right? And also, like, if you're that far to the extreme, all-powerful and also all-uncaring, you're a villain. Yeah, like, why don't, why don't you just start taking stuff? Why are you along for this ride in the first place? Right. Yeah. Um, I think there are a lot of analogs to 
even non-superhero games, like any kind of really tanky character. Um, or if you think about it, a character who doesn't even have a ton of hit points, but has astronomically high AC, you know, we sort of think of um, the like heavy armor, big shield paladin who, or even Eldritch Knight who also has access to like the shield spell right. and can stand there and, you know, bump their AC to 30 if necessary. Yep. Uh, what else are, what else are they doing if they don't, care about anyone if they're not taking that amazing ac and standing in front of people who are way squishier then they're not really doing anything interesting right and sometimes you're going to need to remind your player that like they'll probably have a lot more fun if they do put themselves in harm's way or they do save something or accomplish something like always going haha no you miss gets old really quickly yep i think the other thing to keep in mind with superman is because he has a binary weakness to kryptonite, right? Either there's kryptonite and he is terribly useless or there's no kryptonite and he is invulnerable. Um, You need to be careful in how you use that. Um, Notably, you probably want to use that weakness pretty rarely. Mm -hmm. Um, It can't be in every single session sort of thing or else his invulnerability is pointless. I think ideally I would try to put the player in a position to choose, right? Like face kryptonite or lose something important right like the the choice of attempting to succeed comes with figure out a way to to circumvent the kryptonite versus just accepting failure otherwise yeah i think that's a that's a great rock on a hard place scenario to put a player in right it's okay you never have to worry about getting hurt well now you do or if you want the thing you want yeah, yeah. or want to keep the thing that you like right Okay, so let's move on to another character that's problematic in superhero games. Jean Grey. Yeah. The telepath. <laughs> and the telekinetic, and when she's Dark Phoenix, says like, all-powerful, right? She's a high-level reality warper who pretty much has at-will wish. And, you know, comic writers deal with a character like this the same way that 40K kind of deals with psychers. You have all this power, and it makes you insane. Uh also the way that D&D deals with necromancers and, and yeah, liches. Yeah, very true. And that works for certain types of games, but if you're playing a superhero game, you're probably looking for a more heroic tone, and it really takes away agency from the player. And again, superhero games are often about wish fulfillment. You want to be able to do cool stuff and not have someone dictate to you what you're doing. Yeah, so I think an approach here is to put abilities on cooldowns, uh, which is definitely true to Jean Grey's character because it seems like every time she does something cool, she collapses. <laughs> right. Maybe she doesn't need to collapse. But if you think about it, D&D does the same thing. You can cast Wish once a day, you know, and then you're you're wiped. Well, or maybe once a lifetime. It depends on how you <laughs> roll. <laughs> but make there be some costs to having these exceptionally high uh, power abilities that aren't necessarily oh you can't really play your character anymore you want them to play the character you want them to play it out what happens after you do this crazy or amazing thing yeah and and so then the drama the dramatic question of that character becomes is this worth the sacrifice that i have to do like is whatever i'm accomplishing worth the cost right to the, me? the collateral damage right you know i'm powerful enough to destroy a planet that's great and the bad guy standing on that planet okay we'll win what else was on that planet right and then, of course, there's always unforeseen consequences as well. It's a anytime you you deal with wish fulfillment, 
literally. There should be impacts that were not anticipated. Yeah, anytime you're warping reality, well, I mean, you're still like a mortal or a human in some way. Right. You probably didn't do it perfectly. This is a nice opportunity for a GM to sort of flex your genie muscles. Okay. Um, how about The Flash or Kitty Pride? Yeah, this is kind of the two sides to these kinds of characters. The first issue is that they can just refuse to engage. So Kitty Pride can just phase uh, and then nothing can actually touch her. Or Flash can run to the other side of the world and he's just not on the map anymore. Right. So they can't be hurt. Like they're great, but they also can't contribute to the party in any meaningful way. So kind of like the tank, they end up being boring to play and you're sort of wondering why did the party even bring them along? Mm -hmm. But the Justice League does always bring Flash along. So there needs to be a reason for it. And this might be a time where you have to talk to your player again and be like, yeah, you can do this. This is an ability that you have. The rules say you can do it. But why are you here then? Right. right. Like, Just like the NPC merchant, you could have stayed home and like, you know, been a cobbler and made two gold per month right. and you would have been fine. Yep. That's actually a really great living in D&D. <laughs> right. Two gold a month. <laughs> <laughs> but that sounds like a super boring character to play. <laughs> right. So... I like to have people be asking for their help. Like, okay, Flash, you're on the other side of the world. Why aren't you here? We need you here. Yeah, yep. And then give make make sure that that character has ties to the party that answer that question. Yeah, and you can also lean really heavily into the exploration pillar. Kitty Pride is an amazing scout. She's great at reconnaissance. She just walks through walls, takes a look around, and comes on back. Part of the reason that characters with these kinds of abilities do the crazy shenanigans is that they want to stretch the bounds of what they're capable of doing they want to like see how they can play with these powers so mm. give them opportunities to do that i mean so i want to play with these powers uh when i run super super fast as the flash that creates a sonic boom doesn't it so can i just kill people with the sonic boom oh that's the other side of the problem right like kitty pride can just can't you just stick her hand through someone's brain and yeah, then like telefrag them <laughs> <laughs> yeah the, with these characters the solution to every problem can just be that they should be blitzing right right if flash should just run at the speed of light and then punch someone with infinite mass right done we're good brilliant <laughs> so like don't let your characters do that yeah like that's that's great um for real world physics but like also there's clearly not real world physics at work because that doesn't happen to the flash right like stick to what the power as it's written and fix the fix the world around the power right since it's not making sense with actual physics you can you can come up with something else right the, you know for a reason why it doesn't work that way uh, and also you you know you want to be really cautious about setting a precedent for additional powers you know if if more than one time for special reasons, Kitty Pride can just remove someone's heart straight out of their chest, why wouldn't they do that every single time? Because well, she's neutral good. Oh, okay, right, okay, of course. <laughs> Sounds like it's time for an alignment change. <laughs> right. <laughs> so these particular types of characters aside, I think in general, uh, as a GM, your best friend is actually going to be the supervillains. And that's because canonically, supervillains are always constructed with their with the hero's weaknesses in mind super villains are always custom made by writers to pose a challenge to the hero yeah they're the opposite of the hero like uh how mr glass in uh unbreakable is obviously the only one who can stop bruce willis right, right? because 
his powers of brittle bones are, you know, Bruce Willis's one weakness. Oh, right. <laughs> sure. Let's go with that. Um, I, yeah, I, I like the rhino and Spider-Man, right? Like they're, they're the, the perfect opposites, right? The rhino charges at full speed and is very strong and, and blunt and, and super dumb and dumb. Right. And Peter Parker is a genius and, you know, super athletic and, and agile and, and finesse based. Right. So he always outsmarts outmaneuvers and then, uh, wraps up the rhino. And of course, keep in mind that if you do get in a situation where you have allowed a superhero character to do too much with their abilities, well, if the if their nemesis has the same abilities, they can do the same thing. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> you have now set precedent for your enemies. Right. <laughs> oh, that was very interesting, Peter. I cannot wait to face you again. <laughs> I will be right back. I'm going to go work on my new formula. Right. I just had an inspiration. It's also a nice uh, opportunity for your entire party to sort of trade off, right? Okay, that guy is a hard counter to my abilities. That sucks. Uh, why don't I take your villain and you take my villain? Exactly. That's how the team fight goes, right? Yeah. And and that's uh like the the Civil War team fight was great for that because it was like as each hero entered the mix or like each each pair, right? Like they were directly countering something that had just countered one of their allies. So it was like rock beat paper and then. Nope, that doesn't work. Rock beat scissors, and then paper landed on the rock, and then fire landed on the paper, and then uh, water hit the fire, right? And it was, like, just the string back and forth of blowing up an airfield and also, like, these one-off counters to each other. Yeah, and then throwing in, here, watch this video. Right. (laughs) (laughs) Because I think ultimately that's it. That that scene that you just described, to me, is an amazing superhero, not only fight right like it's a great scene in a game to happen at the table because people are using their their cool superpowers which is half the reason you play a superhero game in the first place but it is occurring because of the relationships and the misunderstandings happening between the characters and at the same time you have this this catalyst the threat is is not like you know an alien invasion or you know the the juggernaut who's about to smash everybody Mm -hmm. it's it's a VHS tape. Right. Of like security footage. Right. <laughs> so stupid. For, for a movie that nobody got to. So setting that kind of scene up, though, is, is challenging, right? Because I think um, the way that I would try and do that, and I think the way that those uh, scenarios usually initially pair off, right? Like the, the usual superhero pair off is very surface level abilities are how you match up right so like the snipers duel the 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 flyers fly at each other mm-hmm. right um like one person uh storm has like tempestuous energy and uh the oh crap who's the opposite there right but like i mean that's now the official name for her powers tempestuous energy oh wonderful um, you know, but like maybe maybe another spellcaster, right? Like would compete with Storm, mm-hmm. um, or Storm flies, right? So like maybe a flyer would compete with Storm, and then realize that like, oh, just because I can fly, that doesn't make me the right counter to Storm. Like a spellcaster is the correct counter to Storm, right? So like you sort of initially match hero and villain on kind of superficial abilities that they have, 
And then they have to realize that in order to counter each other, they need to actually be looking at somebody else, not not who looks like me, but who has abilities that work in tandem or against me. Yeah, a superhero game is a lot about problem solving. Right. More than, you know, hitting things as hard as you can. Yep. And then the last thing about supervillains is that they're super boring when you face them alone. Like, you have to have that team dynamic, right? So make sure that you're setting that fight up as a team fight. Yeah, you're not doing the solo superhero movie. You're doing you're doing the team up. Right. Yeah. So, Ishan, do you feel that su- the superhero problem has been solved by any one game? Um, No, not yet. Um, there are a few games out there, I think, that we're looking at um, to test out and see if they fit our needs. You know, because we we played masks and we we like masks, but it's I think not quite crunchy enough for the kind of game that our group wants to play. It's a little too wholly focused on relationships. Mm-hmm. Whereas we've also done mutants and masterminds, and you know we've we've talked to people who played Heroes Unlimited and Champions, and those are just essentially like you if if you don't have fun being an engineer, then those, yeah. those are not going to be interesting games to play. Right. But if you've got more suggestions for what kind of system we should be using to play a fun, interesting superhero game, let us know. All right. Do you hear that, Ishan? That's just me rewinding the VHS tape. Don't mind me. Well, if we're going to introduce a new character into this drama, we're going to have to roll them up in the Character Creation Forge. Before we do that, let's talk about how our listeners can get in contact with us. We do love hearing from you. You can tweet at Shane at Mundangerous. That's M-U-N Dangerous. And you can tweet at Ishan at Evil Sans Carne. That's Malice Minus Meat. And you can tweet at the show at TPTCast. You can also email us if you can't fit it into 140 characters at TotalPartyThrill at gmail.com. And you can find us on the web at www.TotalPartyThrillCast.com. We're also on Facebook and Instagram at TotalPartyThrill. So this week in the Character Creation Forge, we are building a superhero whose debut film I have recently watched. Oh, you did you? Wonder you Woman. went to it. I did, in a theater. Did you go to the all-women showing? I did not. Did you sue because I you couldn't? also did not. <laughs> I went to the regular, like, <laughs> 7 o'clock showing on a random Wednesday. Yeah, I we've sort of been holding off on... I mean, we've been working through the Justice League, right? But we've been holding off on Wonder Woman and Superman, the two big heavy hitters, because their their skill sets, their power sets are just so intense. Also, part of it was that I didn't know who Wonder Woman was. <laughs> Did you know who Superman was before this episode? No, I'm not familiar. <laughs> you you do seem like a Smallville kind of guy. Uh, yeah, I mean, of course. Everyone, or, or, everyone watched it for Lana, or, right? Or, <laughs> like, I was, yes, I was a 13-year-old boy when Smallville was on television. I watched it for Kristen Crook. Whatever happened to her? She did uh, Euro Trip. Nope. And then that was it. Nothing. Just nothing. Also, That's so disappointing. She was like a cameo at the beginning. Yeah, exactly. But it was like the biggest thing she did outside of Smallville. Yeah, Fiona. <laughs> it's fine. Scotty doesn't know. Yeah, Scotty doesn't know. <laughs> Don't tell Scotty. <laughs> that guy looked a lot like Matt Damon. He did look like Matt Damon. That's weird. <laughs> he reminds me of Jason Bourne, actually. Whoever that is. Uh, I, don't know. I don't know who that is. Uh, Hawkeye. Oh, of course. Right. right. <laughs> okay. So so what is the hallmark of Wonder Woman? What is her power set? Okay, well, actually, I think she's a lot more 
doable in 5e when we're looking at the most recent movie because you know she's near the beginning of her arc right, right. so she's just discovering her abilities yeah but she's super tough she's super strong she's a very skilled uh, melee combatant and she has some uh, deific magical abilities that are pretty sort of undefined yeah she can run into a hail of bullets, only be threatened by two of them, and they both happen to hit her in the bracer. Maybe she has bracers of missile attraction. I, but And deflection, slash deflection. Like, <laughs> God, it's just, that film has the weirdest, like, oh, the CGI is so strange. Like, just, like, it's a cool ability, it's fine, but, like, the way she did it, like, it, it clearly was just green screening. <laughs> like, I don't know. Anyway, whatever. Yeah, you think she could have just moved more to the left and the the right, and then they just could have made the bullets show up wherever? It's, eh, like, eh. I don't know. Whatever. I'm not fixing that, that stupid comic book movie. <laughs> that stupid, just fine comic book movie. I liked it. Uh, yeah, it was fine. It was a good movie. Like, it's... it's I, I'm not attempting to shit on Wonder Woman. There were I mean, just goofy parts of it. It's no Condor Man. It's no Duck Man. <laughs> that... Was that a super Howard the Duck? It's no Howard the Duck. <laughs> right, the greatest superhero movie of all time. Right. <laughs> okay, okay, back to Wonder Woman. The build is Oath of the Crown Paladin 12, Totem Barbarian 3, Storm Sorcerer 5. So I think she works really well as a half elf, you know, half god, right? Yeah. Um, naturally, Azamar works as well because she is half deific right if you're not playing an adventurers league because we do have uh, sword coast adventures guide stuff in here so you can't use more than one non-php source fine 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 so from paladin because she's so obviously a paladin we're getting smites extra attack uh pretty chunky saving throw bonus and she's going to end up being immune to being frightened which i would love for her to have at level one but she gets it at 10 that's fine yeah, she also gets that cool channel divinity uh, champion challenge. Yeah, she basically yells at everyone within 30 feet, and they can't run further away from her. It's right. basically all eyes on me. Exactly. Yeah. Uh, she's also got turn the tide, which is she yells at everyone within, I think, 60 feet, and they all gain some like temp HP. Yeah. <laughs> she's got some really amazing oath spells from Order of the Crown. Uh, she's got command compelled duel which is just i think very iconically wonder woman right? yeah. like, you are fighting me very villainous <laughs> showdown yeah <laughs> and she gets zone of truth obviously I, which you can't hide your lion eyes <laughs> <laughs> yeah in that instance i would probably use uh, like drop zone of truth uh, in a situation where very obviously the person is physically outmatched right mm-hmm. so you say you're using the lasso of truth you're dropping Zone of Truth, and of course, they're compelled to speak. Oh, yeah, the Lasso of Truth. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That's that's what it does. Um, to be fair, the seventh level ability of Oath of the Crown is not awesome. Like, you can jump in front of some damage and take it for someone else, which is cool, but you can't resist or prevent it in any way. So, like, you being tankier or having damage resistance or something doesn't help you, which right. sucks. Yeah. But, I mean, it's still kind of iconic. Yeah, and, like, the... the Channel Divinity, I think, totally makes it worth it. Right. So then we have Barbarian, which will get us three rages per day. Um, also, advantage on strength checks, so you're a good brawler. Right. And, you know, if you want to reflavor uh, an athletics grapple check as, again, the lasso. However you want to There are lots of different ways to do the lasso with this build. Right. 
And uh, since you're bare barbarian, you'll get that extra damage resistance to all but psychic. Mm-hmm. Everything but harsh words. Well, yeah, I mean, that's how you cut her to her core. That's right. I actually kind of like that she doesn't get immunity to charm, which you would get if she was Oath of Devotion, because one of her things is that Ares is always trying to convince her to, like, be the war god with him, mm-hmm. you know, or, like, take his place or whatever, right. you know? Uh, and if she was immune to charm, she'd just be like, eh, no. No, I'm not doing that. So Storm Sorcerer, she is in, you know, some iterations, the daughter of Zeus, who, of course, you know, throws lightning bolts. So I think Storm Sorcerer fits here. Uh, if we get a favored soul that is official, maybe in Xanathar's in November, that probably will work really well here, too. Yep. Uh, my favorite part of this is that when you cast uh, those storm spells as Storm Sorcerer, you get kind of a 10-foot fl- minor flight. Mm-hmm. And it's actually it's any spell that you oh, cast, a first level or higher, yeah. Right. Um, which just reminds me so much of some of those fight scenes from that film where she seemed to just be sliding a lot. Yeah. <laughs> or like at the end when she uses in her big, like, I don't know, whatever God blow things up power, mm-hmm. like she just sort of is gently floating back to the ground. Right. Yeah. And you know, there are versions of Wonder Woman where she just flies all the time like Superman. Oh, well that's handy. I agree. <laughs> Which is actually one of the big things that sort of kept us from doing this. It's just so hard to get at will flight right. in D&D. Right. Um, she gets the shield spell, which I think is pretty much exactly her using her bracers to deflect bullets. Yeah, and I like that too because the shield spell just increases your AC for the remainder of the, like until your next turn. Mm-hmm. So it, it works as like, cool, so I'm spending a little bit of my re- my focus, my reaction to just be using my bracers to deflect all the the arrows and bullets and whatever yeah and in the stories you know if she is whatever tied up or unconscious she's obviously not deflecting bullets right uh you get hold person which also works as your lasso of truth great when somebody carries a lasso (laughs) (laughs) um as as we mentioned you'll get flight and haste from spell casting so those are pretty pretty straightforward and you'll get two metamagic options i think heighten Makes a lot of sense because when Wonder Woman wants you to do something, you tend to do it. Right. And uh, then Quicken, of course, is the 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 best way to take advantage of all these things and still be a fighter, as Wonder Woman is, and, and still punch, right? Is cast those spells as bonus actions. Right. Or, you know, Quicken, hold person, and then three crits. Right. <laughs> so for leveling, I think I'd probably start Paladin 5 to get extra attack. Then go Barbarian 3 to get your resistance. One more level of Paladin to get that nice saving throw bonus. Finish out your Sorcerer, and then you can knock out Paladin. Yeah, so that'll give you a nice little curve of sort of Diana coming into her abilities. Did you like that? I knew her name was Diana. Good job. Did you do research? I, I watched the movie <laughs> three months I'm ago. I'm just surprised you remembered. It, look, <laughs> a few things are burned into my memory better than Gal. <laughs> Fair, that's fair. So, Shane, who is your Wonder Woman besides Gal Gadot? My Wonder Woman is an Azamar who is trying to better connect with her divine lineage. So she takes up the divine path, right, of of becoming a paladin, right? Um, I and then I think would come to find out that uh, that divinity is sort of rooted in 
the storm, maybe a god of lightning or or god of uh, even like a sea god or something like that, right, would be really fitting for a storm sorcerer. So as she begins to understand and maybe meet uh, more of her like divine bloodline, it begins to come into those powers and, and strengthen her understanding of her own blood, that that's where she draws her strength from and sort of gains these new abilities, right? So for her, it's a path of understanding who she is, is what makes her better. Um, and so for, for that kind of character, right, you would want to be on some type of quest to find information, right? Like you're, you're looking for um, rare tomes or you're looking for maybe a, a, a hermit kind of scholar who, who might know something or, or maybe you're even looking for a way to travel to a plane where you might be able to meet a planetar or somebody who might um, be able to point you in the right direction. You just got to find someone who can summon them. That's usually easier. Well, that does seem like the easier way. Kidnap yourself a wizard. Uh, Wonder Woman doesn't ever do it the easy way. She does it the right way. Fair. Yeah, you're right. So, Ishan, tell me about your Wonder Woman. My Wonder Woman took a while to come around to the idea of Paladin. So she actually starts off as a barbarian Okay. Um, in a tribe and then... On a small island in the Mediterranean? Sure, yeah, let's go with that, <laughs> okay. right? Um, you know, lots of um, uh, high-level martial training. Okay. Yeah, harnessing the rage within. Right. Uh, and then realizes that inside there is some sort of power within her bursting forth, um, you know, magical abilities that she doesn't really have control over. And mm-hmm. uh, so she sort of starts out as a rage mage, essentially, which is like, I'm a barbarian, and I attack things with a big sword, and on occasion, other times I cast some spells. Right. Or sometimes I cast some spells, uh, and I'm attacking, but I'm not raging. And I think this is the catalyst for her leaving the island, because she needs to understand what's actually going on with these abilities. Where are they coming from? Are they something I should be afraid of? Maybe she gets chased away from the island. Maybe not. But in any case, she goes out and starts discovering more about this magical heritage, Um and from there, actually interacting with the wider world, she realizes that there are other people out there. There are other people who aren't nearly as good at defending themselves as she is. There are these villages. Um, people are under attack. People are having you know difficult times you know, keep, keeping themselves safe. Um, and she comes to decide that her, her job, her uh, reason for leaving the safety of her island is to protect these people and so she you know takes an oath not I mean, it's a reflavored oath of the crown not to a particular regent but uh to the idea of being a protector for the common person mm. and then from there she basically focuses on that all the way so i go barbarian a bit of sorcerer and then we mix in paladin and sorcerer till the end cool so before we wrap up uh we want to take a moment to thank our patreon supporters yeah, your support is what makes us possible to keep doing this show every single week. And just a reminder, we are getting very close to our $200 level uh, goal, which is the codex of all of the Character Creation Forge builds that's uh, indexed and searchable so that you can track down what a build was or maybe look for a build that might work for the character you're already playing and see what we could do and then know what episode to go to to listen to it. We are getting dangerously close. And we will be outsourcing that when we get to that point. So it should be done much faster than the Morning Glory recap. 
So if you'd like to learn more, you can check out our rewards at patreon.com slash totalpartythrill, and maybe even suggest a few more because we could use some of those. And don't forget, we uh, have the contest is still open until September 30th, so if you pledge to Patreon, now you will be entered into the drawing for the Pathfinder uh, prize packs. So what do we have planned for next week's episode? We'll be continuing our series on campaign settings, and we'll be talking about Eclipse phase. And in the character creation forge? We're building the Gatecrasher. Well, that's it for episode 112, and I haven't even mentioned Peaches and Cream. I hope we've lived up to our name, but either way, I'm Shane. And I'm Ishan. Thanks for listening. <laughs>